0: So, without any further delay, for this episode, we're going back to the end of the 1970s. As the 1970s were coming to an end, Dr. Robert Offerman was 44 years old. He was an osteopathic surgeon. He lived in a condominium in Galea, California, which is about 100 miles northwest of Los Angeles. At the time, he was living alone, and he was going through a divorce. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. On the morning of December 30th, 1979, two of Offerman's friends went to his condo because he was supposed to play tennis with them. They let themselves in and they discovered his dead body and the dead body of a woman in the master bedroom. They immediately called the Sheriff's Department. The woman was identified as 34-year-old Deborah Manning. She was a clinical psychologist had recently gotten divorced. The police concluded that the two were dating and Manning had stayed the night. Manning's body was on the waterbed in the master bedroom. Her wrists had been bound behind her back with twine. One thing that the police noted was that the twine had been tied using a unique diamond knot. Manning had been shot once in the head. It appeared that Offerman was on his knees at the foot of the bed when he was shot three times in the chest and the back. In one of his hands was some twine. The police talked to many people in the neighborhood. Several people said that their homes had been broken into and even ransacked earlier on the evening of the murder. One couple said that they saw a man run through their living room and out the back door. They lost sight of him after he hopped over their back fence. The police think that the same man broke into Offerman's home using a screwdriver. He went into the bedroom and aimed the gun at the couple. He most likely gave some twine to Manning and ordered her to tie up Offerman. She did, but she didn't tie it tightly. When the killer was tying up Manning, Offerman freed himself. But the killer probably stopped him before he put up too much of a fight. He either shot Offerman or ordered Offerman to get on his knees and then executed him. Afterward, he killed Manning. The neighbors heard gunfire at about 3am. No one reported the gunshots though because they thought it was holiday fireworks. After the couple was killed, it appears that the killer raided Offerman's refrigerator. He ate some leftover turkey and then left the remains of the turkey on the porch. The case was incredibly baffling for the police. Nothing had been stolen from the home. Also, there were no signs of sexual assault. It wasn't long before the case was considered cold. Two and a half months later, on March 16, 1980, the police were called to a home in Ventura, California. Downtown Ventura is about 35 miles from Goleta's town center. The home they were called to belonged to a respected lawyer, 43-year-old Lyman Smith. Many people believe that in the near future, Lyman was going to be made a superior court judge. Lyman lived with his second wife, who was his former secretary, 33-year-old Charlene Smith. Their dead bodies were found by Lyman's 12-year-old son from his first marriage. He had come over that afternoon to mow the lawn. When he got into the house, he heard the alarm clock in the master bedroom. He walked into the bedroom and he found the dead bodies of his father and stepmother. They had been beaten to death. The murder weapon which was found at the foot of the bed was a lock that came from a stack of wood outside of the house. The medical examiner determined that Charlene had been sexually assaulted. Both Lyman and Charlene's wrists had been bound behind their backs with cords from the drapes. The knot was an unusual diamond knot. It's not known how the killer got into the home because there were no signs of forced entry or a break-in. The front door had been unlocked, so he may have entered the home through that door. In this case, the police had a suspect. There's a friend of Lyman's who was also a lawyer. The man had visited the couple the night before their bodies were found. His fingerprint was found on a wine glass. Also, his minister had told the police that he had confessed to the murders. But after some investigating, the police couldn't find any evidence that connected him to the murders. They also discovered that the minister had a bizarre history of making up stories for the police. So the charges against the man were dismissed at the preliminary hearing due to lack of evidence. Without a suspect, the case became cold. At the time, no one knew that the murders of the Smiths were connected to the murders of Robert Offerman and Deborah Manning. After all, there were several significant differences. The murders took place in different cities that were in different counties. They were also killed in different ways. One couple was shot and the other was bludgeoned to death. But, there were major similarities. Both couples were attacked in the middle of the night while they were in bed by a home invader. They were bound and a diamond knot was used to tie up three of the victims. It's a complicated knot that is used by sailors and it's also used in interior design. The victims were all white, around the same age, and they had white collar jobs. The problem was that it was just two sets of murders, and it's understandable why no one recognized an emerging pattern. 24-year-old Keith Arrington and 28-year-old Patrice Briscoe got married in May 1980. Keith was a med student, and Patrice, who went by Patty, was a nurse. They only knew each other a few months before they were married. In August 1980, they were living in Dana Point, California, in a house that was owned by Keith's father, Roger. On August 21st, 1980, Roger went over to the house where the newlyweds were living. Under the doorbell, there was a note left by some of Patty's friends. It was dated the day before. The note said that the friends had come by and no one was home. Roger let himself into the house and he made his way to the master bedroom. He found his 24 year old son and 28 year old daughter in law murdered in their bed. The bed was soaked in blood. It was determined that Patty had been raped. Then the couple was bludgeoned to death with a sprinkler head from the backyard. The sprinkler head was nowhere to be found. Keith and Patty's wrist showed signs of being bound, but whatever. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you. Was used to tie them up was gone and it wasn't found at the crime scene. It was thought that the murders happened two nights earlier. It's believed that the killer got in through a sliding door which was left unlocked. Dana Point is 166 miles from Goleta and 129 miles from Ventura. Dana Point is in a county south of Los Angeles and Ventura are in counties northwest of the city. So no one connected the murders of the Harringtons to the murders of the Smiths, which happened six months earlier, and the killings of Offerman and Manning, which occurred eight months before the Harringtons were killed. Five months after the murders of the Harringtons, on February 5, 1981, the mother of 28-year-old Manuela Withune received a startling phone call. Manuela worked at a bank and she didn't show up for work. She also wasn't answering her phone. They had tried to contact her husband, David, but he was in the hospital because he had a gastrointestinal virus. Manuela and David lived in a middle class home in Irvine, California. Manuela was a loan officer with a bank and her husband of five years, David, was a salesman at a Mercedes-Benz dealership. Manuela's mother decided to go over to the couple's home. She got into their house and went to the master bedroom. She found the dead body of her daughter. Manuela had been raped and beaten to death. It's believed that she was beaten to death with a lamp that was missing from the house. She had also been bound, but like the murder weapon, whatever was used to tie her up, was missing. Some of her jewelry was also missing. The killer got into the house by using a screwdriver to force open a sliding door. Six months later, a criminalist with the Orange County Sheriff's Department was reviewing Manuela's case. He thought that there were lost similarities between her murder and the murders of the Harringtons. The murders happened within six months of each other in cities that are 25 miles apart and they are both in Orange County. There were some noticeable differences in the crimes. A big one was that the Harringtons were a couple and Manuela was alone when she was killed. Also, the killer didn't break into the Harringtons' home but he did force Manuela's door open. Nothing had been stolen from the Harringtons' home well, it appears that the killer took some of Manuela's jewelry, but those differences seem minor when you consider the similarities between the crimes. The first is that the victims were beaten to death with an object found in their home. The murder weapons were then taken from the crime scene by the killer. Both Manuela and Patty Harrington were sexually assaulted. Both couples were childless and lived in middle-class homes. Yes, Manuela was alone when she was killed, but she was only home alone that night because her husband, David, was in the hospital. Perhaps the killer expected to find David at home that night. Also, while the killer didn't break into the Harrington home, it's plea that he entered their house through a sliding door, which is the door Manuela's killer forced open. The Harringtons didn't smoke, but a used wooden match was found on their kitchen floor. Several matches were found in a flower bed outside Manuela's home. So while the criminalist thought that the murders were connected, he didn't have any suspects or leads. Around the same time that the criminalist was looking at the murders, another couple in Galita was murdered in their beds. On the night of July 26, 1981, 35-year-old Sherry Domingo was house-sitting a house that was about half a mile away from where Robert Offerman and Deborah Manning were killed about a year and a half earlier. On the morning of July 28, a real estate agent and her clients came into the home. In the master bedroom, the real estate agent found two new dead bodies. He got his clients out of the home and called the police. The bodies were 35-year-old Sherry Domingo and her boyfriend, 27-year-old Gregory Sanchez. The couple did not live together. It appeared that Gregory just happened to have spent the night. The couple had been beaten to death. Sherry's wrist showed signs of being bound. The police were unsure if the murder weapon was a garden tool known as a turf plugger or if it was a pipe wrench. The police are not sure what was used to kill the couple because whatever it was, like the ligatures used to bound them, were missing from the crime scene. Sanchez had also been shot in the face, but the shot had not been fatal. His thought that he tried to fight off the attacker but the attacker shot him and then bashed him 24 times in the head with a blunt object. Days after the bodies were discovered, on August 2nd, 1981, the Los Angeles Times published an article about a serial killer known as the Night Stalker who was killing couples in their beds. The moniker, the Night Stalker, was given to the killer four years before Richard Ramirez, the other serial killer known as the Night Stalker, began his murderous career. The article was based on information from the Santa Barbara Sheriff's Department. Galita, where Offerman, Manning, Domingo, and Sanchez were all killed, is located in Santa Barbara County. The Santa Barbara Sheriff's Department thought that eight murders were committed by the Night Stalker. They were the murders of Robert Offerman and Deborah Manning, Lyman and Charlene Smith, Keith and Patty Harrington, and Sherry Domingo and Gregory Sanchez. The article pointed out that all the couples were murdered in the master bedroom. Nearly all the victims had been bound. The only victims who were not bound were Offerman and Sanchez. Besides Robert Offerman and Deborah Manning, they had all been beaten to death. Offerman and Manning had been shot as was Gregory Sanchez. It's believed that Offerman and Sanchez tried to fight off their attackers, and this is how they ended up being shot. The police noted that the same caliber of gun was used in both home invasions. So while people were connecting some of the crimes, there were still no leads. After the murders of Sherry Domingo and Gregory Sanchez, the Night Stalker seemingly went quiet. Of course, since no one knew who he was, no one knew why he stopped. Some people speculated that the media exposure scared him off. Or another possibility, as some people in law enforcement thought, was that there was no serial killer and the murders were connected. Nevertheless, years went by and the five murder cases remained cold. In 1996, Mary Hong, a criminalist with the Orange County Sheriff's Department, was reviewing cold cases in her county. One specific case she was looking at was the murder of 18 year old Janelle Cruz. On May 4, 1986, 18 year old Cruz was at home alone in Irvine, California. Her family had gone on vacation. Cruz had a job at a local restaurant and she couldn't get the time off. That evening, Cruz had a friend over. At some point, they heard a strange noise in the backyard. They looked out the window and didn't see anything unusual, so they didn't think anything of it. Cruz's friend left at about 10.45 p.m. At the time, Cruz's family was selling their home. On the morning of May 5, 1986, the real estate agent let herself into the home. She found 18-year-old Janelle Cruz's dead body in her bedroom. She had been bound, raped, and bludgeoned in the head with a pipe wrench that was missing from the family's home. The police thought that the murder may have been inspired by a made-for-TV movie that had aired the night before on NBC. That was The Deliberate Stranger, starring Mark Harmon as real-life serial killer Ted Bundy. The police had several suspects in the case and even made an arrest. But no one was ever tried for the murder. Ten years later, Mary Hung was reviewing the case and she noticed that there was a biological sample from the killer. So a DNA profile for the killer was created. When the DNA was put into their system, Hong was alerted that the DNA belonged to the same man who killed the Harringtons and Manuela Withun. No one had connected Cruz's murder to the other night soccer murders for several reasons. Notably, it had been five years since the last murder. Cruz was also much younger than the other victims, and she was alone when she was killed. But there were some notable similarities. Cruz had been raped and murdered in her bed in the middle of the night by a home invader. The killer picked up the murder weapon at the family's home and it was missing after the murder. Whatever was used to tie up Cruz was also missing. After Cruz's murder was connected to two of the Night Stalker murders, it led to more investigators being assigned to the Night Stalker case. In early 1998, it was determined that DNA found at the crime scene of Lyman and Charlene Smith's murder belonged to the same man. By 2000, the four victims in Goleta, Robert Offerman, Deborah Manning, Gregory Sanchez, and Sherry Domingo, were linked to the same killer. But still, no one knew who he was or why he had suddenly stopped killing. There was only speculation. Perhaps he had died, or he was in jail, or maybe he found religion. This will conclude the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you like what you hear, please leave a comment and subscribe. Thank you.